What's this about aliens visiting Earth? Ooh, wait till you hear about this one. Plus, we're going to talk about pride. This time up on the Arantia Radio Podcast. Well, it's a beautiful Saturday morning in June, and I hope that wherever you are listening to this podcast, you are doing good, doing well, and that the Spirit has blessed you, and I thank you so much for joining me on the Rancher Radio podcast. As you may or may not know, this is a podcast dedicated to the teachings of the Rancher Papers, and every week we try to do at least one good episode, taking into account some element of the book that I just love to share. Uh, I've been reading the book now for over 40 years, since back in 1982. And boy, I still remember that first time where I, it took me a couple of days after I picked it up and I started reading it and I had some time on my hands and it just, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I mean, there was something that happened when I started reading this book that had never happened to me before. And I had read a lot of books. I was a curious young fellow. And the, the feeling, you remember that feeling you had when you first realized that you may just have a revelation in your hands and how much you wanted to share it with other people? Sometimes over the years, you, t- you tend to forget that, and I, I don't want to forget that. I try to explain to people, if you want to know about the Urantia book, I want you to just visualize a flat line that moves from left to right. If you can imagine a line that you draw that goes from left to right. And where you start and where your finger ends, the left is God and everything after that. As far as that line can go, it could go for infinity. And that's the Urantia book. It starts in the beginning and works its way outward and upward. And uh, that's how I explain it. If you want to go back in time and try to understand what God was thinking when he put all of this in motion, it's an intelligent approach to understanding an enlarged universe. And that's what I try to tell people and not try to get bogged down with details about, you know, it's got this many chapters and there's this many segments and this part is written about this. Because I find that the more detail you give, the less people are prone to be curious. You know, you just want to give them enough and say, you know, if you really want to get a better perspective of what the universe is all about, I, I urge you to pick up the book. Find a find a chapter in there that you are interested in and, and go for it. You know, that's what I did. I started with Adam and Eve and then started bounced around and kind of looked read different things. And then when it really dawned on me was the first five papers. And it was that point I really grasped the conceptual importance of what was being presented. So anyway, we're gonna have a good program today. We're gonna talk about pride. Uh, I have a take on pride because it's Pride Month and it's a cultural phenomena. And I, uh, I I wanted to share some thoughts about it, some serious thoughts about it. Because, I, you know, you, you know and I know we're all going through an ideological struggle. And, um, you know, we have to be careful about the steps that we take. I think the Arantia book warns us, you know, we're going to try new things. But, you know, we have to be careful not to go too fast because if we do it becomes destabilizing and I think a lot of what we're seeing now in the world today is 
destabilization. You know, this is a, an experimental planet, a decimal world. And so things are not uh, in the usual order. And we know that. Anyway, so we'll get to some of that. I, I looked up the word pride in the Arantia book. It appears 58 times. And I want to go through some of the, the references that it makes to it and see if you can agree with me that we need to be very careful about those ideologies that we take at face value and not think about the implications. But uh, before we get to that, I do want to talk about this article I read. Uh, it was in one of my regular reads, and uh, it was written by a guy who calls himself Sovereign Man. And he's a pretty good writer. He writes a lot about current cultural uh, streams and how they, you know, how they mesh with, you know, Western society. So he's always got some insight that I enjoy. Uh, and it's all about how problematic it would be if we ever had contact with intelligent life. So he says, okay, well, let's take a look at the future. Let's say it's June 2nd, 2028. And then he, and then I'll, it's a brief story, but it's an interesting story. He says, worldwide hopes for friendlier relations with our extraterrestrial visitors vanished this morning when the aliens climbed back aboard their spaceship and flew away after nearly three weeks of failed talks with senior U.S. government officials. Now remember, this is satire. The aliens had known of Earth's existence for centuries, but they deliberately avoided our planet in their interstellar travels because they viewed human civilization as too underdeveloped. If I can make that bigger. However, after monitoring NASA's first ever public hearing on UFOs, which took place five years ago today, May 31st, 2023, which, by the way, did happen, the aliens decided to initiate first contact. Their journey to Earth took several hours, and when they arrived last month, a collective sigh of relief could be felt around the world when the aliens came bearing gifts. Their initial contact with our planet seemed expertly planned to calm our nerves as they distributed miracle cures for viruses, parasites, and even cancer. And as they spent the entire journey learning our language, they were easily able to communicate. The first world leader of the aliens met with was U.S. President Kamala Harris. And they showed her a small metallic box, which they had said would provide limitless free energy to the world. However, relations with the alien visitors quickly took a turn for the worst when the president began talking about science. According to several observers at the meeting, President Harris explained to the aliens that basic principles of biology, like sex and gender, are myths and that are rooted in violent heterodoxy, at which point the space diplomats appeared to burst out laughing. Of course, President Harris and her scientific advisors found the reactions deeply offensive and they tried to explain that the aliens were displaying problematic colonizer attitudes. Federal officials have spent the last several years trying to re-educate the aliens about science leading to strayed relations between our species. The aliens countered by producing thousands of holograms worth of data, disproving the Americans' claims, data which the White House called ignorant and offensive. Finally, the aliens, in apparent exasperation, 
grabbed their energy cube and stormed out. Their ship was observed leaving with Earth's atmosphere this morning, and there has been no contact since. Despite the loss of revolutionary alien technology, top officials say they don't regret the outcome. As President Harris told reporters this morning, frankly, there's no room on Earth for anti-science hate speech, whatever the species. In other news, pharmaceutical and energy stocks, which initially plunged to near zero value amid alien contact, have rebounded into record highs. (laughs) I kind of have to laugh. That's a good, good story. (laughs) He who has an ear, let him hear. Boy, that's... But doesn't that tell you something? When I first read that article, I said, you know, that there's a metaphor there. And the metaphor for me, being a student of the Arantia Revelation, is that it kind of helped me understand why people are indifferent uh, to the teachings of the Arantia book in this age. They're not politically correct. Now, they may have been at the time that their book was written, but you you can see how much culture has changed in the last, well, 100 years. And, and at this point, many people today, unlike in my generation and before, who had some, a majority of us were, were somehow influenced by basic Christian or Judeo-Christian theology, right now that is not a true statement. So consequently, as a result of that, many people don't have the foundation or the construct in which the Arantia book would fit. Because if you study the Arantia text, it definitely presents itself along uh, Judeo-Christian ideological lines, but not because it's a Judeo-Christian book, but rather because Judeo-Christian theology uh, has a timeline that dates back to the beginnings of the Revelation, the actual first Revelation when, when Caligastia came and then subsequent Adam and Eve and Jesus and Melchizedek. Those were all revelations that are tied to the same story storyline or the same storybook. So it's a matter of truth that the Kenites who studied under Melchizedek, for example, would carry the teachings of Melchizedek 800 years later to where Moses would inherit those and then go on to be credited with the first five books of the Torah, which was in, influential to no end. So you can see that the, what I'm trying to say is that Without that pre-knowledge, without that foundational, without the soil, you're not going to produce very good figs. And uh, and right now we're all so wrapped up in political correctness and pronouns and everything else that we're not paying attention to the real story, which is that humanity is in very deep doo-doo if we don't come up with some ideological uh, equilibrium. And so on that note, I want to transition uh, and I've given a lot of thought to this, and it is not my intent for me to uh, cause any offense to anyone who might be part or a member of the LGBTQ community because I have too much respect for people's individual freedoms and rights uh, to even there go there. In fact, many people I love, family members included, are a member of the LGBTQ community. So I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to people who have taken the pride, the the pride flag, the pride symbol, and I want to expand upon it because pride in and of itself, most people understand is not a good thing for a lot of reasons. And I thought we could gain some knowledge of it by finding how it's referred to in the Arantia book and see what we can. And some of this, by the way, I've discussed in previous podcasts, so it's nothing new here. But I did find it interesting 
that the Arantia book mentions pride 58 times. And I want to go through some of them, not all of them, but enough of them so we get a sense of the dangers and the subtleties of pride. And because it is Pride Month, what better time to do it, right? So let's go back to the beginning. The first time the word pride is mentioned in the Arantia book is in paper 53, section 2, in reference to Lucifer's pride in self-deception and believing his rebellion was actually good for the universe. The second reference comes in paper 66 again, but this time in reference to Caligastia rebelling alongside Lucifer. The author comments on the planetary prince siding with Lucifer, quote, I did not then so fully understand the subtleties of personality pride. Then again in paper 68, in reference to the fact that both Lucifer and Caligastia have been warned by their superiors, quote, respecting their critical tendencies and subtle developments of their pride of self and its associated exaggeration of the feelings of self-importance. See, so now in this third reference to it, it's talking about how pride leads to this exaggerated feeling of self-importance. Paper 68, section 2, paragraph 11, it says, As a factor of social progression, quote, vanity contributed mightily to the birth of society. But at the time of these revelations, the, the devious strivings of a vainglorious generation threatened to swamp and submerge the whole complicated structure of a highly specialized civilization. So at the time of the revelations, are they referencing this new um, community of people who have great pride? What what would they be referring to? But at the times of these revelations, the devious strivings of a vain, glorious generation threatened to swamp and submerge the whole complicated structure of a highly specialized civilization. Now, I could also take that to mean that it was just at the end of the Roaring Twenties, and the Roaring Twenties was a very uh, materialistic age, lots of drunkenness, and there was, uh, well, it was the age of Gatsby. It goes on to say, Pleasure want has long been, has long since superseded hunger want. The legitimate social aims of self-maintenance are rapidly translating themselves into base, and threatening forms of self-gratification. Self-maintenance builds society. Unbridled self-gratification unfailingly destroys civilization. All right, so we move along on the subject of pride. What else can we learn from the Arantia Papers? Well, in the context of the human paradox, where it talks about our human selves and our spiritual selves and sort of that battle that takes place in our material life, it reads, of all the dangers which, which beset mortals, man's nature, and jeopardizes his spiritual integrity, pride is the greatest. Courage is valorous, but egotism is vainglorious and suicidal. Reasonable self-confidence is not to be deplored. Man's ability to transcend, uh, transcend himself is the one thing which distinguishes him from the animal kingdom. But then in the next paragraph, Pride is deceitful, intoxicating, and sin-breeding, whether found in an individual, a group, a race, or a nation. It is literally true, pride goes before a fall. So there they're even borrowing from a New Testament quote, or an Old Testament quote. This is in reference to Judaism as preserved by the Kenites, which we mentioned before was a small group 
of students of Melchizedek during Abraham's time, the Kenites. They're they're mentioned in the Bible, and they were the ones that passed that that those those principles, those teachings on to Moses's parents, who themselves were of Kenite ancestry. And so, from paper one thirty one, it reads: God has made man a little less than divine, and has crowned him with love and mercy. The love knows the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the ungodly shall perish. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the supreme is understanding. Says the Almighty God, walk before me and be perfect. Forget not the pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. He who rules his own good spirit is mightier than he who takes a city. From the same paper, but this time on Shinto. Now we're talking about the conception of Judaism, and, and that was a reference to Judaism, a teaching in Judaism. And from the same paper on the world's religions and the use of pride, now we learn from Shinto. What does Shinto have to say about pride? Shinto is an East Asian religion. From paper 131, every time man yields to anxiety, he takes one step away from the leading of the spirit of his heart. Pride obscures God. If you would Obtain heavenly help, put away your pride. Every hair of pride shuts off saving light, as it were, by a great cloud. If you are not right on the inside, it is useless to pray for that which is on the outside. If I hear your prayers, it is because you come before me with a clean heart, free from falsehood and hypocrisy, with a soul which reflects truth like a mirror. If you would gain immortality, Forsake the world and come to me. From paper 141, in reference to Jesus, as he's beginning his new period of public teaching, he says, Jesus portrayed conquest by sacrifice, the sacrifice of pride and selfishness. By showing mercy, he meant to portray spiritual deliverance from all grudges, grievances, angers, and the lust for selfish power and revenge. Now, this was during the initial days of when Jesus' public teachings began. And of the 70 or those among his early followers who went about teaching Jesus' truth to the masses, and upon their victorious returns, he speaks to them. So this is from paper 163, paragraph 6, section 6. The next day, being the Sabbath, Jesus went apart with the 70 and said to them, I did indeed rejoice with you, when you came back bearing the good tidings of the reception of the gospel of the kingdom by so many people scattered throughout Galilee, Samaria, and Judea. Why were you so surprisingly elated? Did you not expect that your message would manifest power in its delivery? Did you go forth with so little faith in this gospel that you come back in surprise at its effectiveness? And now, while I would not quench your spirit of rejoicing, I would sternly warn you against the subtleties of pride, spiritual pride. If you could understand the downfall of Lucifer, the iniquitous one, you would solemnly shun all forms of spiritual pride. From the Last Supper, when Jesus informs the apostles, one among them is considering betraying the Master that very night. From paper 179, paragraph 4, section 2, he says, While it is necessary that I go to the Father, it was not required that one of you should become a traitor to fulfill the Father's will. 
This is the coming to fruit of the concealed evil in that heart of one who failed to love the truth with his whole heart and soul. How deceitful is the intellectual pride that precedes the spiritual downfall, my friend of many years, who even now eats my bread, will be willing to betray me, even as he now dips his hand with me in the dish. And of course, referring to Judas. And this is why I have oftentimes said the pride flag, while I certainly understand the social statement it makes about inclusion, I think it's also a subtle disguise for its flagrancy against those standards that make for a, a real stable society. And recently, by the way, in reference to this, I read an article that states the separation of church and state has created a vacuum that must be filled by something. Man is naturally a religious person. And this is maybe our biggest folly. Humans are not capable of not having religious impulses. But through secularization and resistance to religion itself, humans now take up new causes, whether they be for social injustice or supposed human rights to privilege. It was only natural for a humanistic religion of the exalted self that would come along and seek to replace God. And I think that's where we are today. And I think it's worth mentioning and having a discussion about it. So I hope that you gain something from that. And certainly what the Arantia book had to say was quite revealing about the different kinds of pride. And so we leave it there, but I do want to make one final comment um, disregarding the Arantia Radio website. We are now streaming uh, 24 hours a day as best we can. A couple of times we have to upgrade our, our programming, but by and large, if you go to UrantiaRadio.net, we have a streaming link and uh, we put up old articles, old podcasts, old interviews, and we just let them ride. So anytime you need that, you know, your rancha sound going in the background while you're doing other things, you can enjoy the stream, the live stream, along with the podcast. And I would also add that if you have something you'd like to contribute to the Urantia Radio stream, send it to me. The email address, Radio at gmail.com, Radio at gmail.com. And uh, always happy to hear from you, those who are enjoying and sharing the Urantia Radio podcast. Until next time. This is Jim Watkins. Thanks again for stopping by.